What's up, Jabronis? Welcome back to Two on Five Podcast, your one-stop shop for all your top five lists. I'm Drake. I'm Brett. And here's Brian. It's me again. I'm back again. They let me come back for at least one more. We are back at it with our video game console series. Uh, this episode, we are covering the 16-bit systems. Uh, we've got three top five lists for you of the best games that were made on 16-bit systems. We're excited about it. This was uh, a console that we loved and still love. And so we are excited to give you these lists. Uh, I think you meant consoles, my friend. Consoles. <laughs> oh, there was, there was oh, more than one. Oh. Uh, because Sega does what Nintendo don't. So <laughs> <laughs> listen, uh, my. When I saw everybody's list, I immediately noticed I was the only one that had Genesis titles on there because I'm guessing I was probably the only one that owned a Genesis. Uh, yep. And that's that's fine. That's cool. You, you know, whatever. Uh, my number five was on both systems, actually, and it's called Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Uh, this game is awesome, especially if you are like me and kind of love the kitschy 50s sci-fi kind of thing that it has going. It's a run-and-gun shooter made by LucasArts. Uh, LucasArts, by the, way, by the way, and I think that this will probably keep coming up, made, they made great Star Wars games, but when they went outside Star Wars games, they made some classics, just some straight-up bangers. And I, I love Zombies Ate My Neighbors. It's um, these small little... I mean, the levels are never very big, and you have to... You're running, you're shooting down zombies, saving the neighbors to progress to the next level. And this is maybe one of the best co-op games ever. Yeah. Like, sitting with a buddy, rolling through that. Like, Brian and I played this. Not that ago. long ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, we, and it was incredible then. Like, I just, I love this game. You could breeze through that game up until you get to like, it's like 17 or something. And there's just that giant baby that just stomps <laughs> everything. Do you remember that? Like, oh, yeah. but like, it was such a weird game. It's like your weapons are, are super soakers, uh, weed whackers, and you're saving grannies and cheerleaders. And then there's babies. It's just, it's the weirdest game. But like you said, the couch co-op for that. Man, it doesn't get a lot. It doesn't get much better than that. It really, really doesn't. It's a travesty that it hasn't been like re, like like brought out on a system that we could actually play it online, full screen instead of having to split it. Oh man, that well, we do it again. Well, I think it's. I think some of that is like it's a Konami game. So and Konami is you mm -hmm. know making pachinko machines, so <laughs> they don't give a shit about video games anymore. Yep. So. This game is so fucking cool. Like, I, I remember when this game came out, like the marketing campaign, you know, every other page in Nintendo Power was like this 50s style family all zombified. And like it was just a super weird and wacky uh, marketing campaign. And the game is super fluid. Like it's easy to play. It's easy to get through uh, in regards to learning it. But yeah, it's one of those, and, and we'll touch on it time and time again, but how good the SNES and and the Sega were, yeah. for, were for couch co-op. Like, the, the idea mm -hmm. of sitting down with your buddy and, and playing a game together, uh, this is... Uh, I, I'm almost mad at myself for not having this on my list, because it, it is a, a top five game. 
All right. Um, I guess I'll go ahead. My uh, number five was Donkey Kong Country. Um, once again, just a great platformer. Just uh, and and uh, really a, I mean, a beautiful game. It was kind of. It wasn't towards the end, but pro definitely the latter half of the SNES lifespan. And I remember when that game, uh, when, when the first time I got my hands on that from Blockbuster, plugged it in, and I was like, yo, that, yeah, they, they got this one. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that one later. So moving on to my number five, um, SNES did a great job with the RPGs. You're going to hear that a lot throughout our list. But my number five is one of the classic RPGs in Chrono Trigger. Um, this game was wild. It had so many things that were you were used to with a standard RPG, and they just kind of flipped them on their head. You had multiple endings. You had all sorts of side quests, which were, you know, really... Some of the other RPGs had side quests, but this one really got into, you know, playing a second game off to the side. And it was it was funky, you know, like just the the way it was directed. There were there was some silliness in it that, you know, I think from a storytelling standpoint, they started having some fun with it and um, just super creative with the ability to you know, travel through time and, you know, do things that <clears throat> trying to piece the story together in your own head as you're trying to figure out what's going to come next. And every time the plot would, would do something to surprise you. And so I, I think it's one that for the SNES was a, a masterpiece and I wish we could see more of it now. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to be able to pick this up on the switch. I want to run through it again. Uh, you know, playing on an emulator is fine, but I want to be able to go to the virtual console on my switch and load this up. People are going to learn probably pretty quick over this series that I'm a, I'm a huge RPG nerd. Um, JRPGs have a, have a really special place in my heart. Um, this one appears on my list a little bit further down, but I, like you touched on before, uh, one of the f one of the first games I can rem ever remember there being like we we, we were talking about how non-linear games before were this game you can go I mean you're you're crossing time hence the name chrono you're you're, you're crossing time there's a uh, there's 13 endings to my knowledge um but then there's also like seven ways to trigger the end of the game and basically, you know, you could you could accidentally trigger the end of the game in this, and you might be under leveled, and it drops you, and he, here you go, have fun, it's Lavos, and, and it, it's it was a it's a beautiful game, like you said. I think Funky was the best way to describe it. Like like the the soundtrack to it was awesome. The characters were fun. Like there's a steampunk chick, there's a robot, there's a frog knight. Like what what's going on? Doesn't matter. It works and it's fun. Love that game. Everything about it was just a little bit different than the RPGs that we were used to. Mm -hmm. And even some of the really good ones that show up on the SNES and that we'll talk about later, like there's some really good classic RPG stuff out there. And this one just kind of took a little step to the left mm -hmm. and nailed it. Absolutely. Well, like this game was really cool because uh, the, the main designers of this game, like uh, they, they were 
they, they call them the dream team. I mean, basically, like, this is the equivalent of, like, the, like, crazy bands that get together that have, like, four legends or whatever. Like, this had Sakaguchi, this had the dude from Enix, and this had Toriyama doing the art. Okay, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm in. You're gonna pull. A, you're gonna pull the best of the best people in to make this game that you know is still regularly thrown around as one of the best games ever. Like, that's crazy. This game is going on 30 years old. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, yeah, like that's insane. Um, I don't have much more to add to it than that. You guys hit it pretty well. So, moving on to my number four. Um, my number four is Street Fighter Two. And there's probably an argument out there that this is not the best 16-bit fighting game on a console. Um, You know, there's probably a fair argument out there that Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis is a better fighting game and was more exciting for people, you know, partly because it featured real blood. You know, Mortal Kombat kind of trumped up the idea that they were going to be super violent and not be afraid to show it. And that's all well and good. But for me, Street Fighter 2 on the SNES was my jam. This was one that I never owned, but I had like three buddies that owned it. And so anytime we would get together or they would come over to the house, they would bring a copy of Street Fighter 2 and we would spend hours figuring out the moves for each character, you know, how to do things with Guile, how to you know, do some of the funky stuff that Blanca does. Um, You know, I I think it's probably one of the best examples of having different fighting styles and being really different where it matters. You know, some people can't play with a certain character. And with Mortal Kombat, I feel like just about every character feels the same and handles the same in the early, in the early iterations. Um, and so this for me was is my top four game. And fuck you, Brett. <laughs> Boom, roasted. That, go for it, Brett. Well, uh, I, my actual first question is, which version of Street Fighter 2 are you playing? Because I feel like that's that's something that needs to be brought up when you talk about Street Fighter. Because there is Street Fighter 2. There is Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. There is Super Street Fighter 2. There, you know, which one... Are you are you talking about Super Street Fighter? Okay, fair enough. That's that is that's probably my favorite version of it. Although the one I played the most was on Genesis, and it was uh, Championship Edition. Just you know, because mm. that's the game I feel like everybody had. Uh, second of all, I would never agree that this that Mortal Kombat Two was a better fighting game. I will say I think it's probably more iconic. I think that that like prob- Mortal Kombat Two, especially I think I think it just kind of owned. A moment in the zeitgeist that street fighter never did not that street fighter wasn't big but like you know again street fighter 2 was not in the news mortal kombat 2 was in the news because they were like oh my god fatalities it's so realistic and you know whatever yeah i uh, i got a confession to make uh, fighting games like i like them i enjoy playing them but my brother used to just beat the piss out of me when i was younger playing fighting <laughs> games like like he he just has the mind for it and it got to the point where I'm like, I'm not even if I'm not even no, go somewhere else. I can't even waste my time getting my ass beat by you. But Street Fighter was great. Like I, it had, I get what you're saying, Drake, with the 
like every character has its own their own personality whereas sometimes i feel like that gets lost when it comes to mortal kombat 2 because there are literally mortal kombat 2 has four characters that are skinned the same and so because you got you got smoke rep five smoke no just four smoke reptile sub-zero scorpion but but yeah i and they each kind of had their own background and i think that's the first time i can remember that being a thing too where like they have the little like after you lose the fight, they'll talk a little bit of trash. And it, I enjoyed that. Well, and, and I feel like that was just a, a upscaled version of Mike Tyson's punch out. You know, it was the first time we had got some yeah. in between round, yeah. you know, shit talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was, you know, they gussied it up for Street Fighter. And also like the, it, they never got there in Street Fighter 2, but like, it had your mind thinking about interactive levels because of the stuff going on in the background mm-hmm. of the levels you played. Yep. And so, you know, I feel like that was kind of a precursor to what we saw, you know, in, in later fighting games and even see now, um, you know, with fighting games, the interactive level. Sure. Sure. Um, the, other, the only thing else I would add to this is that the Mortal Kombat movie is much better than the street fighter movie. So Sorry. That's fair. Sorry about it. <laughs> Have um, fun over there with your three buttons. <laughs> hey, I got six. I got six button controller in this house. Okay. You got a Genesis in the house? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, my number four um, is Earthbound. It, it is it's a, it's a Super Nintendo RPG. Like Drake was talking about with Chrono Trigger, like kind of taking that, that the, the regular tropes for an RPG and Drake said Chrono Trigger took like one step to the left. Earthbound took about seven. Like oh, you're yeah. literally you're literally children. They, there's a one that has a baseball bat. There's a frying pan. There's a I mean there's a nerd that shoots bottle rockets. So so basically what Earthbound was was it was a Japanese company that just decided they wanted to make an an RPG that was on its on its face just making fun of American culture like like. Like I said, your your main character is Ness. If anybody, if you've never heard of Earthbound, you've definitely heard of Ness from um, uh, Smash Brothers. Um, but you know he's a all American kid in a ball cap with a with a baseball bat. You pop into convenience stores and buy hamburgers to replenish your health. It was basically them just taking American culture and making a game around it where you're going to save the world. Um, it's it's just intentionally goofy and and really uh really endearing i think and it and it it gives the i think anybody could pick up that rpg even today and just be entertained no matter what well i mean like the first clue that this game is fucking weird should have been the box yeah yeah, yeah. so so i actually found i i own a copy of earthbound and that's that's another conversation like that's one of like the few video games that's kind of like a, a white whale. Like if you have the entire thing, it's it's worth some money on eBay. But the box was in the shape of a Super Nintendo box, but it also came with a full-sized guide. So it was about three times bigger than a normal box. But there wasn't any, I mean, there wasn't more in it. It was just, it was hilarious. And you'd see them on the shelves at the store. You're like, what the hell is that? Just yeah, like I said, intentionally goofy to the point where it becomes just so endearing. I think one of the things that's cool about it is it is very endearing and it's cute. Uh, you know, I mean, it is kind of this 
cute art style, especially featuring children, but how intense that game could get. Mm-hmm. Like when, when you get to the major moments in the game, like it's some of the most intense times I had on the Super Nintendo. And, you know, just because it was cute doesn't mean that it lacked the need for skill, mm-hmm. you know, and the ability to, to build up your characters. And so, you know, I, I think it was a good example of taking all of the bones of an RPG and doing something else with it that turned out mm-hmm. to be really cool. I've always found it interesting how, I mean, Earthbound, more or less, you've got to be a pretty big nerd to have played it or know about it. But for whatever reason, Ness and Lucas from from that series have, have lived on as far as Nintendo goes. They keep putting them in their Smash Brothers, and I I think that's great. Um. Yeah, like I, I think Earthbound is a lot of it's it's very very unique and like it's unique in 2020, like, mm-hmm. and that's that's saying something because especially with the way that you know the video games have just become this global thing and like there's a lot of crazy weird shit that comes from Japan that we wouldn't have gotten back in you know the 90s and like Earthbound still stands out and like Earthbound has this has this fandom that like they're still angry that they have not gotten the third game you know yeah like, yeah we are technically the second game you know what i mean and like it's wild because it's done and there's a fan pat fan translation out mm-hmm. there like i mean it would take very little for that game to come out yeah but you know it do? big in japan and just not not here for whatever reason nintendo made that decision and i guess we all have to live with it and download pirate copies and roms and play them in our basement <laughs> yeah, in your basement. Yeah. Um, well, my number four game is uh, Jurassic Park, but specifically the Genesis version, and uh, they're different games. This is and uh, especially during the uh, Super Nintendo Sega Genesis period, there would be releases of games that were ostensibly the same property, but they were different, and like some of them are minor. Uh, like Aladdin, um, the Genesis version had a sword. The Super Nintendo, you chucked apples. Only apples. Because, because again, Nintendo and, you know, their weird stuff. Uh, the Genesis version of Jurassic Park rules. There are two reasons why. First, it's a, it's just a straight-up side-scroller, and I appreciate that more than what Jurassic Park is on the Genesis, which is that weird, like, overview mode. But you can be Dr. Grant and you, you know, you're trying to get to the side or you can be a fucking Raptor and it is the best <laughs> thing ever. You get to just go and murder the Jurassic Park guards and you're just trying to get to the end so you can murk Grant and it is the best shit it is so cool. Um, basically, uh, it came, it came out in 93, you know, like, uh, same year as Jurassic Park and that's, as an aside, I miss licensed games. Most of them were hot trash, but I always, I always got a kick out of like running to the store, renting up whatever big blockbuster, and then seeing the game. Um, but what was cool is they used those silicone graphics computers to make the graphics on that really pretty, pretty dope for that point. And they really worked hard on AI. To the point where every time you play that game, the dinosaurs get smarter. And so your experience changes, which is hmm. neat. 
and pretty really far ahead of their time so this is one of the few games that made me feel like i needed a genesis you know like we were a super nintendo household and you know i wasn't getting a second console but this was one that made me want to have a sega genesis um i could live without sonic i could live without blood in my mortal Kombat, but i needed to be a raptor <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know i i think this is probably the best example of sega offering something that nintendo couldn't brett do you want the do you want to say the catchphrase again or i i don't think i need to i think we all i think we all just know <laughs> i uh i don't think i ever played the genesis version and that's on me but i definitely did rent the super nintendo one and it did suck it was not good so i i guess i did that one wrong that's on me sorry about it sorry about it (laughs) all right so my number three uh brian brought it up earlier it's donkey kong country um it's you know it's the game that rare made that basically allowed nintendo to hold off the playstation for a while uh those crazy 3D sprites looked fucking sick and they looked better than anything that was on PlayStation at that point because PlayStation was in its infancy and, you know, it took it, it took it a minute. Um, it was, you know, they brought Donkey Kong back from a long hiatus and it's just, it's super fun. Um, it plays super well today. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, a few years ago, I got really big into uh, collecting retro games, and I was stunned at like how, first of all, how expensive like Donkey Kong Country two and three are, but beyond that, just how well they it stands up. Like that that sixteen bit games, especially versus like once you get into PlayStation and sixty four and all that, sixteen bit actually just tends to stand up better. But these. Donkey Kong Country is on its own level. It's so good. You want to talk about a like a tight gaming experience, man. The the movements in that game are tight. And later on in the game, if you are not perfect with your button presses, they will let you know. Like you have to be perfect with it. But it gets it does get frustrating at times later in that game. But because it's so well made and because it is so tight, it's not. It, you know, you can overcome it. It's not like it's impossible. It's just, it's a beautiful game and it is, it's, it's a tight game still to this day. We have been playing the uh, latest iteration of Donkey Kong on the switch mm-hmm. uh, with my kids. And one of the things that really jumped out to me was that that game on the switch, which is the newest console out there right now for Nintendo does not look much different than what I played on SNES, uh, which I, I, I don't think is a knock on the Switch. I think it's just a credit to the SNES and and that original Donkey Kong Country that they nailed the style. They nailed everything they could to make that <clears throat> one of the best games on SNES. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, so the, the new iterations, they don't have to change much and you still capture all of the things you know, about it that, uh, made it great. Yeah. Um, my number three, once again, we talked about it earlier. We got a lot of overlap here. It's Chrono Trigger. Um, 
just a just a great game start to finish and you could you get to choose how you want to start it and finish it makes it a lot of fun tons of fun so staying in the rpg world my number three is actually number six if you want to get technical about it yes sir uh my number three is final fantasy three for the super nintendo and this for me i know a lot of people out there love final fantasy seven I love Final Fantasy VII. I'm looking forward to the remake. But this is my favorite Final Fantasy game. Um, you know, I felt like the Esper system was fun and easy to learn and easy to play with and change around as you wanted to. The The story is good. I mean, it's a it's an RPG story. And there's a lot of surprises where you think you're done and then it just takes you to another level. The uh, some of the key moments in it, like the opera house, you know, and trying to nail that sequence in the opera house was one of the most frustrating things I went through as a child. Um, <laughs> this this game is the first one that I bought a strategy guide for. You know, everything else up until this point, I was able to make it through with Nintendo Power. And, you know, there was one time I called the Nintendo hotline to figure out how <laughs> yeah. to beat the to beat the Wolverine game. And my when your parents was, beat your ass, my dad was not happy. <laughs> um, but this was the first game that I had to invest in a strategy guide to figure out how to tackle this massive game. You know, like it, this is a game that can take you months to complete. And it was just so big that I needed something to to provide me with some direction. And even with that direction, it still took forever to complete. And so got a lot of good memories with this game. Um, you know, a lot of good conversations with my friends as we were all playing it. And, you know, this one for me is... Uh, always where my mind goes when we talk final fantasy mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think one of i really like to be able to personalize and kind of customize a game and and final fantasy three six whatever really lets you do that i mean the, the cast of characters there's 14 different characters in there yeah. and four, four of which are optional you don't even have to get them you don't have to pick up mog umaro um go go and then shadow when uh spoiler alert for a 28 year old game or whatever um at the end of the world you can let shadow die so you're down to 10 what yeah yeah you don't have to get him from the edge sorry bro um but but then later in the game it splits you into two or three parties and it'll put you at a little bit of a disadvantage if you didn't do the little bit of extra work to get the characters uh to get to get a full cast so i don't know i just really appreciated how many different characters there were they all have obviously their own their own talents and i it's it's just a ton of fun it's a beautiful game too the the music again um if, if we're talking about final fantasy in my mind we're, we're talking about the music we're back to nobu matsu um just a beautiful score top to top to bottom and like you were talking before about the the opera house like i i got that in my head when you said it because the the music gets so I don't know, uh, entwined with the feelings that you have when you're playing the game. And it's love that game. Great game. So moving on to my number two, um, this is another one that 
was <clears throat> it really captured the head-to-head couch co-op play that this these systems brought to us. But my number two is NBA Jam Tournament Edition. And everybody knows this game. Everybody knows the one-liners from this game. You know, if you hear about somebody heating up or being on fire, it, it is things that have stuck with us through the years. This game is silly, like super silly in regards to the, the stupid dunks and the, you know, nine point shots that you can make and stuff like that. But it was a really good basketball game uh, for its time. And also it lets you do a bunch of the silly stuff. You know, obviously it didn't have Jordan, which was the biggest complaint at the time that, you know, there was a basketball game without Michael Jordan, but you could have Bill Clinton and <laughs> you, you got have the Beastie, DJ, Boys. Beastie Boys, you have DJ Jazzy Jeff. And so like there was a ton of I, I remember Nintendo Power ran like a five page thing with all the codes for all of the unlockable characters and how much fun it was to go through and put in those three letter codes for each character and and try them out and see whether or not MCA was a better dunker than Adrock. Um <laughs> Was he? He was. Oh, he yeah. totally was. Uh, Adrock was more of a shooter. But, you know, they had mascot games, which was a thing that, you know, was fun at the time. I mean, it was silly to see the the gorilla from the Supersonics go off. Uh, so super high replayability. You know, the fact you could pick this up anytime, like most sports games, but this is one I have really fond memories of, of playing with friends. And for the fact that you didn't have to split the screen, you know, you could share the screen, which is different than other co-op games. Uh, you know, just it, it was it was great and deserves a remake uh, just for us to, to fuck around with. I think they actually did do uh, like back on the 360. I think they did do. Maybe not a straight remake, but kind of like reskinned it and came out. Because I remember playing that a little bit. And I mean, you could pick up the Super Nintendo one or the 360 one. It all holds up. It's just a good game. The The mechanics are good. And it's it's over the top. It's ridiculous. It's fun. It's what you want when you're playing a video game with your buds. I don't think I've ever played the tournament edition. Um, I've only ever just played straight NBA Jam. Like, what's the difference between tournament and regular? Um, I, there were a couple of extra options, but this was the one that got like repackaged with, uh, the game. And so there were a couple of little things, but it was pretty much the same game. I, I think there were, there might've been some updated rosters. I, I think it was kind of yes. like, it's kind of like how they called, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl three on the on the super nintendo they called it like the tournament edition but it was really just the third game just updated rosters um it also allowed for more the tournament mode which was a big part of it more player attributes and player attributes and player substitutions okay no i just cool. I never never played it so all right we're on to my number two that we just talked about pretty in depth, but it's Final Fantasy three. I, I don't have anything else to say besides, I mean, if you haven't played it, find yourself a ROM, down your down download it on your iPhone. I think you can do that now. It's just a it's a good game for anybody who likes a a good solid RPG. 
the one thing we didn't talk about uh, when we just talked about it was the villain. Uh, oh, Kafka. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Kafka. Like, oh, yeah. Arguably the best one. I mean, just probably mm-hmm. depending on how you feel about Sephiroth, you know, like, I, I think he's, you know, pretty iconic. Straight crazy. Uh, no, just, it's, there's not much to be said about it. Again, it's, it's the, it's the same thing with Chrono Trigger. It's, it's one of those things where it's a very, very old game that is still regularly listed in like the top, mm-hmm. in people's top tens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you do? And once again, back to the, back to the music, whenever Kefka's on, he gets his own little riff and I could still, it still comes to my head anytime I think about it. And mm-hmm. it's good. Good stuff. Okay, well then, my number two um, is Super Metroid. Uh, Super Metroid took everything that was good about Metroid, it dumped off all the crap that was bad by adding stuff like an auto map and an inventory screen and letting you fire in every direction. And, I mean, it, it, you know, it's super basic stuff, but, like, it, it, it birthed the genre, basically. Like mm-hmm. it made the Metroidvania thing that is still going on. Like, and there's very few that have come close to as good as Super Metroid is. Like, I can think of two. You know, like it's it's it um it's a two basically Super Metroid. For those who don't know, and for real, if you're listening to this, you know. But uh, it's it's a two D platformer, but you are basically going underground to uncover a map like that's just huge and there's going to be places you can't go because you don't have the right equipment yet and you have to go get that equipment and then come back and it's uh it's very non it's 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 this it's a weird thing i like to think of as like linear non-linearity basically you can go in any way you want but there's certain things that you have to do to progress um like it's got iconic villains it's just it's super metroid it's freaking awesome this is another one of the games that i had and i just couldn't i didn't have room for it and i hated deleting it again but man that game was a really pretty game still today i would say i mean the the art style it was really pretty but it was long i mean it to to play that start to finish i mean you're going if you know what you're doing it's still going to take you I don't know, 10 hours? Probably. Yeah, it was just a, a great game. Like you said, it was the next logical step for Metroid on the NES, and you know it's the next logical step, but they, they just executed it so, so well. Well, and I think from the mechanics changes and also the artwork, like Super Metroid feels so far away from NES Metroid. Like it, it just it feels like it's its own thing compared to what you played on the NES. Yeah, and so I yeah it, it birthed a whole a whole category of games that we still love to this day. Yep. Oh yeah, I mean like just just what would Castlevania be without Super Metroid? Like right. probably probably gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean like well, and I mean in a way it kind of is, but you know whatever. Um. All right, well, we're going to move on, and it's a, it's the number one, and in a first, this is uh, a number one that all three of us picked the same game. We all three picked uh, Link, to the, um, Link to the Past, the Super Nintendo version of The Legend of Zelda. It's, I don't know what even to say about it. Like, it took the best parts of the first two Zelda games, um, 
especially the first one. It, it's like it just took the first game and really put it on steroids. Mm-hmm. It was like we're gonna do we're gonna do this, but we're gonna make there be a real story to it. And hey, we're gonna introduce the Master Sword. And hey, we're gonna do parallel worlds. And it's this giant friggin' map. And here you go. And like it, it, it just it felt like this world I was dropped into and I was just like, what? All right. And like within like 10 minutes, you're breaking into a castle's dungeon and saving the princess. <laughs> like you're just, it, it gets you in the game quick. Just it's tight. It's beautiful. Like it's the best game of that generation. And I just, I don't think it's close. Yeah, absolutely. You, you touched on it with the parallel world, but you know, you, so you start out that game, you get the three pendants, you get your master sword, and then the game begins. You you still have yep. you have eight dungeons to go through in the light world. I did that and I'm like, "Cool. Where's Ganon?" And then they're like, "No. Flip it around. Now you got the dark world. These dungeons are brutal." And I I mean, it was it was a huge game, really huge yeah. game for the time. With with just like you know like the original Legend of Zelda, just infinite things to do. There are mini games at every corner. There are I don't even know how many heart pieces you have to collect. Four heart pieces to each heart that you heart container you get. So you've got thirty some of those to find. I mean, just a huge huge game that keeps you really engaged from start to finish. I don't know how many times I thought that I was at the end of this game. And then it was surprise. Fuck you. Here's a new map. You know, like it Mm -hmm. it just, and for us, like there was no collusion with this. Like we all just put link to the past as our number one. We all knew, uh, for me, this was a console pack in, uh, when I got my SNES, it came with link to the past and partly because I was a little bit late getting the console. Thanks mom and dad. Uh, but, you know, there were things about Super Mario World. You notice that it's not on our list and no disrespect to it, but it didn't feel like enough. Uh, you know, comparing it to Super Mario 3, you know, I think there is enough there that you can say that they at times feel like the same game. You know, no disrespect to Yoshi and, you know, the cape and all the other shit that's in Super Mario World. But to look at this Zelda game and compare it to any of the other Zelda games you played before it, it was a completely different thing. And the, the length the you know, the, the amount of depth to this game and the fact that the artwork is super cute, like it's cutesy, but it's, it's Nintendo. Still, yeah. It's, it's very much Nintendo. Uh, but it's still an extremely challenging game and an engaging game that doesn't feel dumbed down in any way. It just, it's so deep. And <clears throat> this is one that I just rebooted here a couple weeks ago and I'm, I'm giving it another run and it's still, I still get the same gratification out of it that I did when I was 10. And so, you know, that's something too, that it just, it holds up over the years. Well, I mean, like, this game is still vital enough that they literally made a sequel to it, like, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, that's okay. And, yeah, I mean, like, that 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 shouldn't work, and it absolutely does. And it, like, um, 
it, it still felt of a piece with it. Like it was, it wasn't like you. It, it didn't feel like a game that it came out decades later because mm-hmm. this game, like Link to the Past, was so far advanced. Like in a lot of ways, Nintendo has been chasing Link to the Past ever since it came out. Like yep. with with Zelda, like they've you know, you know, Ocarina is very much. Let's make Link to the Past in three D, and it mostly works. You know, like it it. It's just, it's such a high watermark. I don't know what else you do. One thing that, you know, you can't, when you jump into that game, you can't let the QT artwork that Nintendo brings fool you. Because when you get later on in that game, when you get down into the meat of it, especially when you can travel between the light and the dark worlds, the the puzzle aspect of that gets so much, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough at times and and even some of the dungeons where there there are multiple uh tiers to it so you've got to bomb the floor here to go down to here and if you're not if you're not thinking like that it's hard and there weren't a lot of games before it that made you think like that you almost need to keep a notebook with you while Mm -hmm. you play this game yep just to remind yourself of where shit is or where to double back to cracks Uh, in the mountain over here portal yeah. over here yeah it just it, it's a it was a whole different level and it really kind of made you it made you think about video games in a different way that that a completely different way than you ever had to before and i mean that's why that's why it's still regarded as you know probably a top five uh, best game ever still yeah it's really good guys play fucking link to the past recommended yeah Anyway, um, that's it for this episode. Uh, We will be back soon with our 32-bit slash 64. Uh, So uh, get ready for your top five Jaguar games. I know I have played five Jaguar games. (laughs) I own a Jaguar. Well, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, guys, take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, guys. Bye.